The following program has been pre-recorded. On this episode of Belonging, the show for young Catholic adults, we talked to Sister Josephine Ramada from the Philippines and talking about her life in Brazil. It was only in college when I was kind of like choosing what school for me to be able to continue my college studies that I was um, ushered in to my school, our own school, this is uh, St. Paul School, where I get to know more about God because we had this uh, theology classes from first year until fourth year. On this episode of Belonging, next. Hello, friends of Nashville Catholic Radio. Our Messengers of Goodness Gala is just around the corner, November 12th at 6 p.m. Join us for a night of dinner and excitement. Meet the hosts of your favorite Nashville Catholic Radio shows. The Messengers of Goodness Gala is a celebration of our faith across the airwaves. Tickets and information available at NashvilleCR.com. And as always, thank you for your support of Nashville Catholic Radio. Nashville Catholic Radio programs are made possible through the support of Bridging Tables. Starting with a great cup of coffee, Bridging Tables is bringing people and opportunities to the same table, despite being worlds apart. Founder Matthew Hayes is a parishioner at St. Anne's Church. For more information, go to bridgingtables.com. to Belonging on Nashville Catholic Radio, the show for young adults here in the Diocese of Nashville. My name is Zach Jansen. We're joined by Father Gervon, and we're here at the Catholic Pastoral Center in the Oscar Romero studio. We're joined this week by Sister Josephine uh, from the Philippines here, does a lot in Brazil as well, uh, but she is the aunt uh, of my fiance, my bride-to-be in uh, next June, but we're happy to have her um, with a great, great Catholic and Filipino family. Uh, so, sister, thank you for being on the show today. Thank you for inviting me to Zach and Father. <laughs> <laughs> so, if, if people don't know, they have a, she was. In, how, how long were you in Brazil uh, doing your work? My mission, yeah, five, years. Mission. five years. Five years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, for now on, this show is going to be in Portuguese. Sorry, Zach, we're taking over here. <laughs> oh, so do, for those who don't know much about you, can you, can you tell us your, your order and and your your charism about uh, what you're doing? Yeah, I like to. Introduce Introduce myself first. Absolutely. I'm Sister Josephine Ramada. I'm half Chinese and half Filipina. I belong to the congregation of the Sisters of St. Paul of Chartres. The origin of our congregation is in France, and we were founded in 1696, so around 300-something years existed. And we were founded by a diocesan priest, Father Louis Chauvet, in Leveville Chenard. And in the world, we are around like 4,000 sisters working in five continents. And regarding my vocation, I entered when I was 21 years old, just right after graduation. I took off um, administration because of the beating of my my parents (laughs) in order for me to be able to continue the business. And uh, I major in management. Wow, yeah, it's a, it's a privilege even though to, to know your mother here as you're, so you're taking care of her here mm-hmm. in, in the Nashville area, but also to hear your vocation story as well. So you were in your early 20s in the Philippines, is that right? Mm-hmm. Wow, so did you, did you hear that voice calling or did you feel called to either vocation of, of either matrimony or, or to religious life? Did you feel both in a way or did you feel more called to, to being a sister? No, before I... 
I uh, considered religious life. Mm-hmm. I had the relationship too, mm-hmm. and um, I was kind of like in that state of uh, like enjoying my my life because yeah. that was the last year of my college. Mm-hmm. So therefore, definitive moment for me to be able to decide whether I go for marriage mm-hmm. or what what kind of future do I want. Mm-hmm. So um, it was kind of like an invitation. It started when um, when I was in college. And a group of uh, students invited me to attend this charismatic because that time, charismatic movement in our in our country was so fo- popular. Mm-hmm. So I attended. We had we had this meeting every Wednesday for us to be able to talk about faith. Gradually, I I was kind of like immersed in the meeting every me every every week. So I get to learn so many things about about my faith because. I'd like to start like vocation for me is is a grace and a mystery because I came from a family with uh, my father's a Buddhist mm-hmm. and my mother's a Catholic mm-hmm. so two religion exist in my family and we were free for us to be able to choose what kind of religion we want but being a Chinese my father preferred that we studied in a Chinese school so mm-hmm. it's a non-sectarian school and I remember when I was a little in, in basic education, we were ushered to attend Sunday Sunday services. That is uh, Sunday services of the the Protestant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, <laughs> because our school is besides the temple, the Buddhist temple, mm-hmm. I usually accompany my father to 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 worship. Yeah, there. So my exposure really is on other religions and mm. not on the Catholic religion. But I'm grateful because I have an Andrew in my life who pointed out Jesus to me, and that's my brother. Mm-hmm. Because when I was young, I remember my brother was always um, inviting me, let us go, accompany me. I said, where? Let us go to the church. And he also would tell me, when you go to church, you have to dress. To have to dress like a lady. Mm-hmm. You don't have to wear pants and your, your hair should be like this. So he was uh, very, my Andrew in my life because mm-hmm. he helped me get to know more about, about the faith. Because being in a, in a non-sectarian school, what do, what do I know about, about the Catholic faith? It was only in college when I was kind of like choosing what school for me to be able to continue my college studies that I was um, ushered in to my school, our own school, this is uh, St. Paul's school, where I get to know more about God because we had this uh, theology classes from first year until fourth year. So that that started my love story with with, with God. (laughs) Oh, I I love the term love story here in that as well. And just even... How often we talk about vocation and mm-hmm. was, is, a, is the Latin vocare huh, to mm-hmm. call. To call, yeah. And we had a guest on last week. He's kind of in, in my shoes of, of, of discovering his vocation and uh, of, 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 of marriage, choosing that. And uh, he, he used it. It was funny. We almost joked how you almost have you, you have, once you have it figured out, then you're done. Mm-hmm. But what would you say, Father? You, you're living it every day. Once you maybe yeah, decide, think, yeah, you're I not done. That, no, you're never done. <laughs> We only done when you get to heaven because mm-hmm. every day, and I think the vocation is like yes, we hear the voice of the Lord, we listen to the voice of the Lord, but then we have to decide to choose that vocation every day. Mm-hmm. You know, like a married man, a married man, you have to choose your vocation every day. Yes, you have the you gave like the big yes to get married, you know, but then it's a it's a 
it's a daily vocation, mm-hmm. you know. Like I, I have to choose to be a priest every day. Mm-hmm. Not in a like I'm, I mean, no matter what, I'm a priest. But how am I going to live that vocation? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, for example, yesterday I was got an emergency phone call from somebody. Was it was this this kid was in an accident, seventeen years old, and they were like uh, withdrew him for life life support. Mm-hmm. So I, I and I was busy, you know, I was doing something with University of Catholic. We had some nuns mm-hmm. that came to, on campus. We were playing soccer with the nuns, with mm-hmm. the sisters and all that. But I was like, I have to choose to say yes. I can go anoint him. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't that I was in my house, you know, drinking coffee or mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. but I was doing something. But I was like, yes, I have to choose to answer that phone call, you know, mm-hmm. and say, yes, I will go annoy that kid. So same way with with seizures, like she has to decide every day. That she, that's why, you know, we have the prayer life. We have, you know, liturgy of the hours. You have the, I'm pretty sure in your community, you have community formation and mm-hmm. community, but we have to choose every day in our vocation. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's the daily yes that you give to each other you know, as a married man, married woman, into God as well. I Today I decide to do this. Today I decide to, one more day, live that vocation. Mm-hmm. I agree what Father said. Thank you, sister. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the once and for all um, uh, yes. Mm-hmm. You have to live that yes and renew that yes every day. Uh, like marriage, like yes. like any kind of the vocation, you have mm-hmm. to renew it every day because the grace is there. The initiative is from God, but you have to renew it's that. A, it, yes, yeah, the vocation is a, it's a, it's a calling from God, but an answer for us. We have to answer that vocation, and we have to decide to do that every day. Every day. Sisha, what is your charism? What is the charism of your community? Our founder received the charism of charity expressed in um, education, health ministry, and pastoral uh, ministry. Okay. So uh, in the Philippines where uh, I came from, uh, we have schools owned by the congregation. Mm-hmm. We have hospitals too and pastoral centers. Okay. Uh, so your role as a sister now, what, what work are you doing, whether it was in the Philippines or, or in Brazil? What work were you doing as a sister? In Brazil, because that's my latest, mm-hmm. uh, the latest uh, mission. I was in, I was assigned in the um, uh, Archdiocesan uh, Hospital, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm doing in here in the United States. It's called uh, chaplaincy, but in there in Brazil they call it the uh, pastoral. I, I belong to a pastoral uh, department mm-hmm. where we go visit the the patients and then gives communion and then do spiritual counseling for the patient and the and the families to. Of the of the the patients. What diocese is that? Campinas. Campinas, São Paulo. Paulo. Okay, yes. <laughs> I, yes. I invited you to go there. I know, but COVID <laughs> closed the whole thing. We can't go anywhere. Oh well, I loved talking with you earlier and and seeing how life has changed. You know, it's beautiful to be here uh, to show that love uh, for your for your mother taking care of her here in the Nashville area. But have you noticed the change? And almost the routine or the, or the habits you might have formed uh, in Brazil, mm-hmm. as far as like the, the, the daily prayer life of having the accessibility of, uh, of going to daily mass and adoration. Can you speak more of just how much of a necessity it is for in, in your life? Um, we talk about that choice, like we were saying that yes, uh, but to take, take that moment for prayer, uh, whether it be a holy hour or, or opportunity to go to mass, wh- what does that mean for your life? Uh, because of my situation now, yeah. uh, I'm in. The, I'm visiting. I, I'm not in control of the situation because, uh, of course, uh, I'm in a country where um, I'm just visiting. So, mm-hmm. 
I I long for a moment where I can have the I can attend the the mass, but uh, due to situations which um, uncontrollable, so. I, I do like uh, attend, uh, participate in online masses. Mm-hmm. I do my prayer as, as usual. I find time for quiet. Um, at times, it's difficult because when you're at home, it's not that easy. But <laughs> I really have to um, find time for me to be able to like assess the day, how, how was it. And then funny because um, after a week, I was kind of like telling myself, because you know I've been praying for this opportunity to be with my mom yeah. uh, to take care of her because it's almost uh, like I, I do come here just for a visit mm-hmm. but personally to take care of her I, I wasn't able to do that but this is the opportunity for me to be able to do that now longer time so after a week I was I, I was during prayer I was asking the Lord Lord what more can I do for my mother because like uh, taking care of her, feeding her, helping her, uh, as if it's not enough for me to be able to do all these things for her. And then there was an assurance that because I was telling the Lord, Lord, I'm sorry because I cannot really prolong my prayer because at times I'm, re- I'm already tired at night <laughs> because uh, my mother would, would usually call me uh, early in the morning mm-hmm. anytime <laughs> <laughs> for her needs. Yeah, and I think Sisha, that's the, the beauty of we are invited sometimes in situations like that mm-hmm. that service is your prayer mm-hmm. yeah. and for you as a sister is is hard because i'm not sure but like for me it's like i want to control everything mm-hmm. you know and then in a religious life that's kind of easier because you know that you're going to wake up at this time everybody's going to have breakfast at this time everybody's going to do prayer this mm-hmm. time so in a sense it's give you as a, as a as a religious freedom to not and that's almost like not to choose, but to choose not to choose. Mm-hmm. You know, so whatever your superior says, hey, tomorrow instead of waking up at six, we're gonna wake up at six thirty because everybody's tired. And you just say yes, ma'am. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so stuff like that it gives like like for us diocesan priests is a little bit harder because we have to find the time to pray. Mm-hmm. You know, in, in a religious congregation, everybody's gonna pray together. Like mm-hmm. in the seminary, you know, everybody wake up. Well, you know, you have to be in the chapel by this time. And then we're going to do morning prayer. We're going to do mass. And then, you know, after that, you're going to have breakfast. You go to class. So it's it's almost like the day is ready there for you. You just mm-hmm. have to go through and you don't have to get concerned about anything because somebody's going to take care and make sure that whatever happens needs to happen and will happen. Mm-hmm. But then in your situation now, you have to put more effort on so you can make sure that yes nobody's going to be there asking are you doing your your, yeah. your morning prayer are you doing but then you have to put that in at the same time it's like okay now I'm here with my mom so a lot of times my prayer that I would love to be you know in front of the blessed sacrament mm-hmm. is going to be here because Christ is here in, on mm-hmm. her mm-hmm. so I have to be able to Yes, this is where Christ needs me because I can see Christ on my mom, or mm-hmm. I can see Christ on this person who comes, you know, for, and that's the, that's the beauty of you know not being control of things. Just say, hey, just go with the flow. Yes, go with the flow, and they say, here's my heart. Take care of this, and you need what you know what I need, Lord. So take care of me. Mm-hmm. I was saying like that prayer after a week, because I was saying like, Lord, I'm sorry, I, I cannot really. Uh, prolong my prayer I cannot really follow the the schedule which uh, I've been used to doing yeah. and then you know what happened in my prayer I just saw a smile in his face like don't worry Be- I mean as, don't worry as, as if the Lord telling me 
you're doing this, you're serving me too. I mean, I have prayed for this for so long time for me to be able to come here and be with her. And the Lord knows um, the, the conversation we have had for this opportunity. I mean, I, that I'm uh, doing this for her, dedicating my time, quality time, doing something funny things uh, with mm-hmm. her too. I mean, I know that I'm doing this for, for Christ. Mm-hmm. Right now, I'm doing mission, not mm-hmm. specifically for the apostolate, but my apostolate now is my mother. Oh, and my family. Absolutely. One of my favorite parts about knowing your family uh, is, is hearing the history and the story of the Philippines, what, what life is like there, because you're speaking about how it's like to take care of your mother and seeing Christ in her. And But it, hearing the story of life in the Philippines, you know, when you, when you think you've seen poverty here in America, you, you haven't seen it until you go out of there to see people living on, on so little per day. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're yeah. often the happiest people. Yeah, though. I think that in, in America we see poverty. In mm-hmm. other countries, we see misery. It's not, I mean, it's beyond, you know, because I think here you see, oh, somebody's poor. Yeah, that person is being helped by the government, mm-hmm. you know, have this, you know. They'll have kids just so that they can be. Housing, yeah. you know, like, no, there is like, it's nothing. You actually pray and see how you're going to feed your kids next meal. Uh, that's just, you mentioned just how they're just living on a couple dollars a day sometimes. Yeah, they're so full. I don't have you. Have you witnessed that uh, that term misery? Wow, that's so that's so powerful. Have you witnessed that in, in the Philippines at all? Yes, how, because how life uh, can be hard? besides the school, we have uh, our pastoral centers. We cater for those who are most uh, needy, and uh, I can say like um, the spirit of the Filipinos are kind of like uh, because we've been used to with sufferings, mm-hmm. with catastrophe, with tragedy. And somehow uh, the people got used to it and uh, the response to this calamities and difficulties is their, their, their faith in God, that mm-hmm. um, th- God will be able to help them go through the difficulty. Just like at this point during the pandemic, mm-hmm. how many times did they have to go back to, to quarantine? Did yeah. they have to go back to enhance quarantine community as a community, as a, as a nation? Uh, limit their their movements. How many times do, do do they have to do that? But the people just obey mm-hmm. because they they kind of like um, their the, their spirit is so they they have the capacity to surrender and and uh, they've been used to with all these d- difficulties and sufferings in their life. So it's so easy for them. And usually um, they have usually a smile in their face when. Um, even in in the midst of calamities and difficulties. Yeah, and I, and I think the religion in the United States, because of the Protestantism, and because of you know that sense of theology of prosperity and everything, mm-hmm. it's always like, even death here. You mm-hmm. know, when somebody dies, you're like we fake it. You know, we don't suffer. We make the you know make up put makeup on the on the disease and everything. And so it's almost like like when I first first time that I came to a U.S. Uh, awake, or it's like oh my gosh, this is crazy. Everybody was on the in the next room, and just smiling and counting stars. I was like, wow, the person is you know the person is mm-hmm. dead, right? So it's almost like a, it's a disconnect with our feelings. Mm-hmm. You know, you make this whole big thing about like yo, it is always about the resurrection. You know. Mm-hmm. I was surprised when I came here that like all the funeral masses are uh, priests wear white. And I was like, mm-hmm. in Brazil we wear purple because mm-hmm. you know, or black mm-hmm. because it's the suffering. Mm-hmm. And I think in a way, in in those poor countries, 
people are connected more to the pain and to the suffer of Christ. So like the religious there is a lot with the crucifixion, with the death of Christ. So it's like almost like they identify more because like, yes, he understand me. We suffer, he suffers. So <laughs> it, it's almost like a, it's kind of a hard to explain maybe for Americans, but it's like, because I'm suffering, I can look at Christ in the cross and I said, I know. He knows my suffering. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think maybe we had that you had that experience in Brazil. Like even, you know, funerals, like we don't wait. You know, if somebody dies, I mean the next couple of hours that yeah, person okay. is gonna do the wake it happens right there. Mm-hmm. And you know, like you don't leave the body by itself. You know, mm-hmm. like once the body is in the coffin, you stay with the body the whole time until it gets a, a barrier. So it's kind of a, a lot of the difference on how they encounter Christ, mm-hmm. but how do they encounter the suffering Christ, not oh. just the risen Christ? Oh, mm-hmm. Happy Jesus. Huh? Yeah, and if you see, you know, in a lot of churches and everything, it's like the crucifix and the sufferings and all that stuff of Christ has a almost like a bigger impact mm-hmm. because that's how, like, yes, <laughs> sometimes life sucks. And mm-hmm. God that was made man is also here with me and he understands me mm-hmm. because we both suffer. Mm-hmm. Did, you, did you notice that in Brazil, how, how people did suffer, but how they, in a more powerful way, how they united it, I guess, in, in the right way mm-hmm. out of Christ? Or what, what did you see? What Was it similar to the Philippines at all as even with the poverty or, or the difficulties people might go through in Brazil? Or what, yeah. what are your thoughts? Yeah, uh, I have seen also the difficult, difficulty of the, um, the Brazilians. Mm-hmm. Especially in the health um, health area, healthcare area, like because my exposure is in the hospital, and then it's always I always visit the the charity ward. The it was a, it was a public hospital, right? No, it's a, a private private. Okay, but much of the part of the bigger part of that is uh, por SUS. Yes, SUS is a social. Um, yeah, so Brazil has like a. <laughs> healthcare, healthcare that everybody is a free healthcare, uh-huh. mm-hmm. but unfortunately it doesn't work. So mm-hmm. everybody, if they want a little bit better service, they have to pay for the healthcare. Mm-hmm. So uh-huh. the government. So for example, if you need like a CT scan, that can be three years waiting. Yeah. Or if you need, you know, they blood can give work, it for yes. free, but uh, you have to wait uh, in line because uh, it, yeah. they have to schedule it in the in the private the hospital. So you have to wait. So my exposure is really on that area in the charity in the charity area, and I've seen uh, much of um, the suffering of um, the people, especially mm. in that area, because they needed much of of help from the government, but that was not given. Usually, they come to the hospital already in their last last moment in terminal. Mm. If there's cancer, in the last stage of uh, of cancer, because they have to wait for they the wait so long, ex- like for example, <laughs> cancer. By the time they diagnose, they start the process on stage one, but then by the time that they got all the tests and everything, they're on stage four, there's nothing else that can be done. Mm-hmm. Is that just because of short staff? It's just, it's just you can't Soft get to that many staff, people. It's not many practical. People. I mean, there's a many, you know, corruption as well. Yeah. You know, it's like if I know somebody, they will cut the line. And so it's, it's, it's a lot of, it's different, you know. So when you think about healthcare, here in the United States, it's completely okay, different. I was here, it's like, it's almost impossible for you to die, you know, because <laughs> mm-hmm. they can do so much to you that it's like, okay, 
that person is just ready, mm-hmm. just like the person, you know, like it's, but there's a, it's not there. Mm-hmm. You know, like mm-hmm. ICUs, like with COVID and everything, it's not, they don't have ICUs. They don't have a number of ventilators and all that stuff. A couple of months ago, we saw in the news that they were lacking oxygen for, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. for patients. Yeah. So people it's were dying because mm-hmm. it was, there wasn't. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of really hard for us in the United States to understand that because, mm-hmm. like, what? Somebody's dying because there's no oxygen? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You would think just a, a non-negotiable kind of necessity, yeah. but that's just, that's just the way of life over mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, if you've not been to poor uh, countries mm-hmm. like my country, you'll not be able to, like, in, in, in comparing... Uh, situation in the United States a lot. Uh, it's unimaginable. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. why we always take, you know, mission trips and stuff like that yeah. so people mm-hmm. can understand it's mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. whoa, this is different. You know, mm-hmm. this is, whoa. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So that the people would have a wider view of uh, the situation. I know that we have a lot of, you know, girls watching this. What do you say, so we can finish up, is what do you say about a young girl thinking about their vocation? Mm-hmm. What what can you say, like, a word of wisdom for them? Yeah. When a young lady um, starts to think of uh, vocation, that is uh, already um, a leading uh, that uh, God is calling them. So they have to what? They have to spend time more in prayer, attend Mass, and ask for an assistance from a spiritual director to help them uh, guide them in their in their vocation because one when a person begins to think about vocation that is already um an invitation coming from god that you have to pay attention and they have to talk with somebody who has the vocation who went through the process of discovering their vocations for them to be able to be helped they have to talk with somebody who has the same experience of entertaining, discerning, and then finally accepting, receiving the vocation. Amen. Amen. Oh, to hearing that call, we thank you, sister, for being on the show today. Thank you, thank you for inviting me. Thank you very much, Father, and thank you very much, son. Obrigado. Obrigada. <laughs> thank you, thank you, Father Javon, as well, for all you do for our show. And thank you to Jim Crow uh, for all he does videotaping. Thank you to everyone in our listening audience. And um, we just hope you felt connected to what you heard today, the beautiful the stories of vocation and, and helping the poor. Uh, remember, you can find our show wherever you get your podcasts by searching for Belonging for Young Catholic Adults. Uh, we're also available uh, online and on more point five FM and streaming on NashvilleCR.com. My name is Zach Jansen. Thank you for listening to Belonging on Nashville Catholic Radio.